0: Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series interviews with top mortgage sales leaders learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is a deeper dive on how realtors view loan officers and how to develop a successful working relationship. I have my great friend, Pat Ritz, as our speaker. Uh, Pat has a long career in mortgage banking, in addition to, more recently, has been a top agent in Arizona. Hi, Pat. Hi,
1: Pat. How are you? Thank you for having me on.
0: So, Pat, how long have you been as a real estate agent now?
1: Well, I've been an agent in Arizona since 2013. I've been around real estate, what seems like forever, but for 50 plus years.
0: Well, we both can say we've been doing this for a long time, so we should know something about it. That's for sure. And so I guess so. I guess so, right. So, talk about your typical day as an agent. Now, you're a full-time agent. This is all you do. So, talk about what that looks like and talk about how that's so much different than so many agents that are part-time agents.
1: Well, well, for one, the biggest difference I think between full-time and part-time agents at least in my opinion is the time you spend for lack of a better term on education there's so much changes just like technology you know the world of real estate and regulations changes constantly and in addition to all the general things like you know keeping up on solar and all stuff like that so my typical day starts off with maybe a couple of hours of paperwork in the morning you know there's a lot more to this than than just unlocking a door so i'm i'm either you know maybe modifying or tweaking parameters of searches that i'm doing for clients after conversations or i've got like for instance right now i have a client in town from pennsylvania who's looking for properties so i'm searching in the morning and trying to make appointments to go see things. And that's usually the first two or three hours of my day. After that, I'm either previewing properties or showing properties or, you know, attending inspections, home inspections. I attend all my home inspections at the end with my clients, or I'm doing walkthroughs or, you know, the the generalization of that. And where time permits, and, and by that I mean planning in advance, where I don't have a client where I'm doing showings, I'm doing education, either continuing ed, and, and in Arizona, we have to have 24 credits every two years, or just like I said earlier, general information, solar, a big thing, particularly in Arizona, you know, staying on top of, of what changes and what the difference is between leased and owned and prepaid lease and what impacts all of those parameters have on a prospective home buyer. So my day is pretty much filled that way.
0: So Pat, I noticed when you were talking about part of your day, you didn't even talk about the marketing component of it and how you find listings and buyers and so forth. What part of your day is involved with that?
1: I probably have an hour or two of of marketing my marketing is i I am for lack of a better term i do all my marketing through information dissemination i particularly and part of that is my age part of that is my experience part of that is word of mouth i pretty much collect a lot of data all the time every monday for instance i put out the numbers for the week for two Municipal areas where I primarily market, I put out every month. I put out the numbers from the previous month. I talk about how the changes have occurred and I will talk periodically. When I say talk, I will disseminate through either my Facebook page or, or various Facebook pages that I'm on either my own Patteritz real estate, Queen Creek real estate. I have a couple of my own business pages. But then I also am on other sites and I promote myself that way. That generally involves a follow-up. Well, for instance, today I introduced my, I was at the gym this morning and I do that on occasion, not as often as I should, but I ran into somebody was talking and he said, oh, you're the guy that puts out the numbers. Well, before it was done, he asked me for my card. He's He's been renting. He's going to look. So my marketing is done through information dissemination. I like to I like to tell everybody I market data and that's how I, I go about it. And I do it all the time and I network because of that. Like I'll go to an event and talk about, I'm the guy who puts out the info. And very few people in my market, very few agents in my market, really put that information out. Even the number, I live in a in a country club community, the number one agent in here doesn't even do that. And as a result, my pickup of business within the gates has really improved. And it's the result of being data-driven. And when somebody asks me, I don't attack anybody else. I just talk about how important that is. And I think that becomes more and more important every day, not only from a real estate agent standpoint, but even from an LO standpoint.
0: Well, that raises to a great question. As an experienced realtor, and you're a top producer, I think you won top agent more recently. And so talk about what do you look for in a loan officer?
1: Honestly, Pat, a lot of this even goes back to my day when I was a mortgage banker, what I would tell my LOs. But today, I think it's even more critical. And I say that because The number of transactions is substantially lower because the inventory is lower. This is a story everybody's aware of nationally. And as a result, there are fewer transactions. What I look for and what I think most good agents look for is, A, communication, B, consistent communication, and an override of all of that integrity in that communication don't blow smoke. That's a killer in today's market. So what I'm looking for is actually consistent communication. If you're telling me you're going to give me an LSU every Tuesday, give me an LSU every Tuesday. If you tell me we think we'll have an appraisal back by next Thursday, talk to your appraisers or the appraisal company about getting it back on time. That kind of thing. You know, the consistency of information and, of course, the integrity of information. Don't tell me, you know, we have no problems if we have problems.
0: Well, that's certainly words to the wise. So how many loan officers do you typically give business to?
1: Pat, I I really only deal with two or three. I'm not saying I I haven't dealt with more because sometimes a client comes with their own LLC. They've already gotten pre-qualified and and so forth. But I deal with two or three, and some of that has been the process of elimination. Some has been the process of elimination because of not good service. Who I deal with are people that I can 100% count on and who I know are going to be 100% straight with my clients when I refer them. If I have a, a client who isn't going to qualify for the price range they're looking for, don't tell me how to stretch. Don't tell me how to do this and how to do Tell me what they qualify for and and be honest with my
0: clients. Yeah, that's a good point too. So what type of events uh, would cause you to really change loan officers or uh, lenders?
1: I can tell you the last couple of incidents I've had that have caused me to, to completely forget one of them the first one i'll refer to is somebody i did i did business with back in the day you know even when i was with radian as their national field sales manager and i i was going to do business with them and i did a deal and the second deal i get an fha declaration the night before closing now that's an automatic on an fha loan that caused closing to be delayed And and you know how that goes. Now you have three days and all that stuff. So when the basics of the processing process don't happen as they should, that's a killer to me because that just shows a lack of of interest or hands on in a transaction. Another thing is I just had one. I just closed it in December. It was a loan where people had their own LO when they came. They had already been referred to someone by another relative of theirs to another lender. That lender was just horrific in communication. In the 45-day process, I got two LSUs, and that's because I insisted on them to update the listing agent because I was representing the seller in that case. And the, they would ask for information from the borrowers. They would get information. They would not communicate with me they would not even communicate with their client. So I would ask my client, where are you with the loan? They wouldn't know. So communication, I can't tell you how important that is in today's environment. Again, transactions are hard to come by. You know, when you get them, you gotta bend over backwards, especially if you're somebody like me who, you know, 50% of my, infor- of my marketing is information. The other 50% is the quality of my service. That creates word of mouth, which is a big, big part of my
0: business. Well, that certainly makes sense. So what would you recommend a loan officer do to get your attention? In other words, most loan officers a lot of times think it's all about products and all about interest rate, but what really gets your attention?
1: It is not about products and interest <laughs> rates, you right. know, if, That's number one. Everybody has product and everybody has interest rates. And and the world dictates, you know, it's just like appraisals of closed loans dictate value. Product and rate are dictated by the market. So that doesn't really get it. You know, okay, occasionally you might have that really weird deal where you need that weird product. That's fine, but that's not the norm. If somebody is coming to me and looking to pick me up as a client, really their selling point to me has to be how they are going to interact with me and my clients i don't care about what you're going to co-brand and blah blah i care about communication and integrity and and honestly if someone is coming to me right now i and i want them to initiate that conversation not me i'm not going to ask about Communication. I want that lender for communication to be an important part of what they are providing the realtor.
0: And so, are you apt to, Pat, when someone comes that you may not know as a loan officer to you, do you look at their reviews or how do you evaluate? Because certainly people say whatever they want, they're going to say. So, how do you kind of determine how are you going to narrow it down on whether you want to even bother?
1: One thing I, I use. You know, I don't use Google reviews because very few people go on there and say, "Tatterit sucks. (laughs) You know, they they typically go on there and say, Well, you you did a great job, blah, blah, blah. Sure. So what I do is I solicit my company, my brokerage as a site that's just for the agents. And I solicit information there. Uh, You know, has anybody dealt with ABC lender? Tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's how I do it. I, you know, the same way I go out and ask for who does good at taxi garage floors, you know, mm. who's a good
0: sure. HVAC
1: in Scottsdale. So that's what I look at primarily. That's the way I check a review. I check it with other agents within my own brokerage. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not big on Google reviews. I'm not big on all that stuff because most of them are solicited. Sure. You know, if, the Google reviews I have on me are because I just finished a transaction and I asked the client to put it on. So, so that I consider those reviews, the public reviews, I consider like a resume. You know, that's it's nice, <laughs> but there's I'm always looking for the backstory.
0: Yeah, well, what's the backstory? That's so, a great, great way to put it for sure. So yeah, Pat, yeah. you mentioned about customers that come to you with a pre-approval. Do you let it flow? It sounded like you did with that one customer. Or do you change them to your lender? Or what, what's kind of your thoughts on that?
1: The first thing I do is I talk to them about how they got it, how they got that lender. You know, if it's somebody they've dealt with over the years, my next step is to call the lender. So I'm going to keep that lender. I call the lender and talk to them about the deal. Where are we? How cooperative is the buyer? Blah, blah, blah. If it's somebody that they say, oh, it was a name given to me. I'll ask if they want to get a second or a third quote, just information. And if they do, I'll give them two or three names of of lenders that I'm very comfortable with that they can call. And honestly, in those situations, I would say 90 to 95 percent of that type of situation where I say, well, would you be interested in somebody else? They have dealt and chosen on their own the lender that, that I referred them to, the lenders that I referred them to, they would pick one of those.
0: So Pat, what percentage of your borrowers, I'm curious, are coming to you with pre-approvals? From the mortgage standpoint, they think everybody's coming with a pre-approval, but what are you actually seeing?
1: When I'm dealing with a buyer, and I, I do get a fair amount of cash buyers, like the client I'm working with right now is, a, we're looking at a, a 3 to $4 million property, but they're going to be a cash buyer. I would say 85 to 90% of the buyers I deal with do not have a pre-qual. They're starting to talk to me about the process and I'll refer them to two or three lenders and they choose one. The ones that come with already with a pre-approval, that 10 to 15%, I would say 80% of those have prior experience with that lender. Basically, I'm only really probably looking at 5% of prequals that I see that that come to me with a prequal that are really, they have no experience with the lender themselves. And so I, I give them a choice. The this last ones that I had this bad show with, they chose to just stay with that lender because they trusted the referral from a family member. And that was the one that I won't deal with again because of communication issues.
0: So do you expect, and you've already kind of mentioned it, that you don't, but do you expect a loan officer to co-market with you?
1: I don't. Some people do. I'm not saying I haven't done it. You know, I'm not saying I, if I'm doing an open house, I won't let somebody do a flyer for me. I have a tendency to do all my own stuff. I use agent marketing for, for my site and for creation of my, um, my site for open houses for instance and flyers if i have a listing i'll use that to promote the listing there are some lenders who do some things that i will do but that is not a key part of my business uh, with with my business interacting with an lo that part uh, for me i mean it's nice that they offer and some of it is good and you know there are functions where they'll have mixers or but I'm more interested in in education or information from the yellow. Like I got something today from a lender out here who talked about expecting higher rates on or higher fees. I'll call that guy today, ask what he's talking about. I'll call another lender, see what their thoughts are on it. So that kind of information is more important to me than saying, Hey, I'll do a flyer with your picture on it of mine. Uh, you know, it's that that could be just me. I was a lender for a lot of years. Sure. So I, I don't want a lender I deal with to think that is m- the most important thing to me. I'm always pretty clear with my lenders. Here's what I'm looking for. I don't care that you can do a flyer. Networking and information is more important to me. Than co-branding, you know, I can brand myself, and I am not a wild, in-your-face marketer. You know, I don't put my name out on on billboards and chalkboards or or corkboards in the supermarket or any of that stuff. You know, I I'm mostly referral. And part of that again is my age and my client base. My average loan size is is around six hundred thousand. I mean, my average, pardon me, my average sale. And sometimes yeah. it's hard to get the lender out of me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Pat, what do you think about this idea of loan officers dropping by to your open house? And it might be someone that that currently not someone that you're dealing with.
1: I I don't have a problem with that. Honestly, it it happens. There are not as many open houses as there once were. Part of that is COVID. Part of that is inventory. But I never have a problem with that. That's probably the easiest way for an LO to meet a realtor in today's world. You know, we're not in offices. I I have an office in Chandler in the last two years. I have probably been in that office four times. (laughs) You know, so it's not the And I guess I don't even know how some of the other people, I don't know if REMAX still works the way REMAX did, you know, where you could go in an office and talk to, or maybe if you could get a sales meeting, that's one thing. But the old days of going in an office and putting your information in 38 mail slots and all that stuff, it just doesn't work with me. So uh, an LO stopping by my open house just to meet me, tell me what they might have to offer and so forth. I I don't object to that at all. And in fact, if I was a lender again, I would probably suggest that to my LOs as a good way to meet a realtor without, you know, without any pressure. And the key to that though would be to stay in the background. If there's somebody looking at the house, there has to be a subliminal role sure but it, but it's a good way to meet a good informal and non-pressure way for an LO to meet an agent
0: so talk about the issue about what do you see since you've been on both sides that opportunities that loan officers have not really pursued that they should be pursuing
1: again for me you know certainly I'm glad all the people you know, that I compete with don't put out information but there is a bunch of information out there, that I get most of my information, the stuff I use, I, I don't create anything. I get most of my stuff from title agencies. That could come from lenders. You know, I, I get information from title agencies, some of which I don't use, but I still get the data. I, I think a lender is more relationship driven with an agent than a title company. So I think what LOs can do and this would have to come from their company because it'd be a lot of work for an LO to develop but to make a function that was information driven that would be a, a plus
0: so when you're talking about information what, tell me the type of information that you find useful what what is it that is it recent sales market values is that the type of information you're talking about
1: yes for instance i just put out yesterday morning the weekly look at if for instance one of the markets is queen creek which just happens to be where i live so i put out these numbers and it shows a 90-day trend and it shows the relationship obviously if you're tracking the 90-day trend and the weekly trend you'll see how they're tracking if the last seven days have shown an increase over the 90-day average or you know that kind of thing that endears me to a bunch of people and Uh anytime i get that kind of information every month i put out the previous months for instance you know I'm, i'm i'll today i'll put out december's numbers and it shows december compared to november and december compared to december of last year and you know it shows inventory and sales and sales percentage of ask, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And again, for me, it's, and I, and I make sure I know it in addition, you know, I don't just get it and forward it. I Mm -hmm. I look at it. I understand it. I send some very specifically to clients. Like if I have a client who I know is going to buy and sell multiple properties, I make sure I say their information source but then i post all that on all my sites my business facebook pages once in a while I'll, I'll throw it out on linkedin or twitter that kind of stuff
0: do you see more i obviously i guess from facebook than linkedin or twitter is that yeah. true yes
1: yes far more and and there are you know subsidiary sites and and i'm calling them that I don't know for what reason, but, you know, I have my Facebook pages, right? I have Hatteras Real Estate. I have Pateritz Queen Creek Real Estate and Carino Estates, blah, blah, blah. But in addition to that, there are neighborhood sites, Encantara Neighborhood, Chandler, Queen Creek Connection. There are all those sites that you can become a member of and post the information on those sites. There's one called Queen Creek Connection, for instance, which has nothing to do with with real estate, it's just neighbors sharing data. But I can get those numbers out there every Monday. And I've noticed, you know, occasionally I get more more and more people liking it, people asking me questions. And that hopefully leads to, let's call it when we need something.
0: So from your viewpoint, That effort has translated into being known and also as a referral source.
1: Very much so. Uh, Even, for instance, we have every other Wednesday, we have a cigar and spirits night at at the country club. I can't tell you how many people I have met there. Oh, you're the guy who, you know, it's that kind of thing. And, you know, every time you get one of those, You know, you get somebody else, and I go to a a men's breakfast every Tuesday morning. It's just a group of guys. It sometimes it's twelve, sometimes it's thirty, but they all know me as the guy who puts out the numbers, and and that Encantara Men's site, I put out the numbers to also every week. So that dissemination of information has brought me referral business, uh, but more importantly, has brought me. I think in the realtor world around here, some recognition as something more than a guy who can unlock a door for you.
0: So this information that you're obtaining, you're not getting it from your broker per se. You're going into a deeper dive yourself.
1: Oh yeah. I get some from my broker. We have a a sales meeting every month and our, our broker, our designated broker, is great on information. I take that and I always convert that into another piece. You know, like uh, a month ago, he talked about stabilization, where the rapid appreciation has slowed down. It's still appreciating. And what what that means, you know, what it means in terms of if it, it's a more sustainable market. And, and I, I take that data, I accumulate it. I put it in my own words. And then, for instance, last week, I put out a market update. Let's review what's happened in 2021, and let's see what's happening, what we're looking at in 2022. Just about, oh, I'm going to say four four paragraphs. You know, nothing that's going to bore anybody, just highlights. You know, I, I probably have gotten 20 to 30. Oh, we love the data you put out kind of stuff. That's great. That's a pat on the back. But more importantly, somewhere, somebody is going to be selling a house or wanting to buy a house. If Pateritz is the first name that comes to mind because, geez, he's always given us good data, that's fine by me.
0: So talk about, especially since you've seen this on both sides, what do loan officers don't really understand about realtors or what what should they know?
1: I think the first thing they should know is that the realtor job is no easier than their job. Everybody thinks the other guy's job is easier. And I don't just mean LOs and and realtors. It's almost across the board. I think both sides, both realtor and LO side needs to understand they become part of a team effort on a transaction. It's not a we, they, it's an us. And that's title company, home inspection, appraisal, although the appraisal is a little more removed because of that third-party mandate, the lender, the agent, and the title company, it's a team effort. They have to go into that not even thinking that I'm a component that can provide loan service. They almost have to approach a transaction and a relationship as we are gonna be a team. That's how I wind up with my long term lenders and my title company. My choice, if I get the choice of a title company, I deal with one. There's one I deal with who I trust implicitly. And they'll they will do their best to get a loan to closing. So I think the the missing component is to always understand that you go into each transaction, which can then develop into a bigger relationship, but each transaction becomes a team. We're the buyer team. And we're trying to get to closing. That's the component I think that's missing across the board. If if anything is missing.
0: Yeah, I know you mentioned that you you keep two or three lenders or who you do consistent business with. Is that true with all (laughs) the real estate agents that you're familiar with in your brokerage?
1: No, I don't think so. I think most have one that they deal with or that's just my general opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: all, all the realtors today, when I say the realtors, all the brokerages today have some form of relationship. Sure. You know, they, they, they're a part of a title company. They're part, they have a preferred lender, a preferred home warranty company. And, you know, that usually has some financial involvement. Sure. And I, I find that almost becomes a negative. A lot of people get very apprehensive about dealing with the preferred because mm-hmm. it almost looks to to the better agents like steering. So I think most of them have one or two. Although I have two or three, I really have one of those two or three that if somebody said, who would you use? That's always the same one of those three. One of the three happens to be a great credit repair uh, company. Mm-hmm. A, a you know lender good sure. good for interacting and teaching somebody how to get their credit up, so if somebody has really marginal credit, I refer them that way. You know, everybody says they can, but this person really has made a career out of it, so
0: yeah, that's a good so, point, yeah and I think it's and really- I
1: think it's the same with title companies
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: i don't think I think everybody has a title company they prefer to deal with.
0: And so, when it comes to, in other words, when something happens that is negative, you give the, the lender one shot or you move on? Or, you're, in other words, what's your kind of thoughts on that? If you have one bad experience, is that it?
1: Depends on, the, on what the experience is. For instance, if you have a little bit of a communication problem with somebody and you're willing to sort of live with it because, you know, they got everything done. And then. As in the case of of my case, you get an FHA declaration, an automatic on an FHA loan, the night before closing. And I mean the night before. Uh Well, not everybody to sign that. So it's not happening by tomorrow morning.
0: Right. Yeah, certainly. That's unfortunately, can be kind of common within our industry. But talk about this issue, especially the trend line, as you saw it even when you were in mortgage lending, is that the loan officer... Is tied together with the processor, and the processor is reaching out and doing a lot of the conversations now with the bar and also with the referral source. And certainly that raises this issue on the quality of the processor. But what what are your thoughts about that? And have you seen that uh, in Arizona?
1: Yeah, I've seen it in Arizona. That certainly you've even got on the realtor side transaction coordinators who, who will then take jump in, but. There are on the title company side as well, but on the lender side, there are some, to me, the loan officer is who I deal with. If I have communication, I, and before I dump anybody or before I overreact to anything, I always talk to the LO that I'm dealing with. Listen, here's my issue. I need information. I don't want you to talk to me Monday of this week, Thursday of the following week. I just, you've got to stay in touch. And listen, I know you have a wonderful processor who's good technically, but can't communicate where it's SWAT. You know, I talk to the LO that way. So, so I don't, I, I give them a chance to stay part of the team.
0: Yeah, good point. I unfortunately I see it every day that the lenders wanting the processor, but they have to make that investment in the communication component of the processor, and a lot of times companies won't. So, so Pat, what would be, I guess, your your couple of takeaways that loan officers should know?
1: I think if I was going to say there are two things that you as a loan officer need to focus on. With me as a realtor, it's A, communication, and B, thinking of us as a team, not as the realtor and the lender, but the buyer team. And those are the two biggest things from Pateritz's standpoint.
0: Well, I think they're words of wisdom, for sure. And I want to thank you, Pat, for sharing it. And certainly, if anybody's thinking about moving to Arizona, Pat's the person to talk to, for sure. Um, and I want or th- even
1: if you want information about <laughs> you Arizona, information. feel free to call me.
0: Right. I want to thank everybody for listening, and I certainly appreciate you spending time with us. Thanks so much, Pat.
1: Thank you. Anytime. And good luck to all the yellows out there. I, I don't mean to make it sound harsh, i just trying to give you what's the best way to win our hearts.
0: <laughs> well, that's what we're trying to do, Pat. So thanks so much. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at psherlock@qfsconsulting.com. at qfsconsulting.com.